It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's a numbers game with your host, Gil Alexander. I want those idiots who believe in analytics. Good morning and welcome in. It is a numbers game here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. I'm Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil this week. I also kind of believe in the analytics thing, so it's a decent fit for the most part. Good show on tap. Chris Andrews is going to be with us in a couple of minutes. We have a lot to go over with Chris. Of course, Game of the Year lines are up and a little bit on the NBA, too, as the playoff action is hot and heavy. Drew Didzik, Jason Weingarten, and Dwayne Colucci to wrap it up with a little NHL action. But... Today, we start the show off with a little bit about last night. You know, I always like when it comes to, especially betting the NBA, it's one of the things I really enjoy doing on a night-to-night basis, Uh, but betting in general, you know, always like to kind of learn and go forward with a lot of these things, right, in terms of what you saw last, how you can use it to then go forward in terms of your handicapping. And we talked a lot about yesterday, right, the shooting performances, a lot of these teams, right, specifically a couple of the home teams, home teams had shot very poorly, and we had two home teams last night, really correct course, but we wanted to start with Portland and Denver because, one, at the making of a very good game, it was completely ruined by officials down the stretch, and especially in the second half, But I think both of these teams, you really learned lessons, and a lot of what we were talking about yesterday really came to fruition, of course, on the court. So let's start here. Nuggets, a big win over the Portland Trailblazers, 128-109 to to even the series up. End up closing as a a two-and-a-half-point favorite, $1.35 on the money line. So you did see a good direction in terms of the Nuggets and the action there. But 
there are a couple of things that you take away from this, right? First off, shooting, shooting, and more shooting. What Denver did in game one was pretty sustainable, right, in terms of building their offensive rating. Remember, an offensive rating in game one of about 119, but we're outshot like crazy by the Portland Trailblazers, who ended up in an offensive rating of 130. For the second consecutive game, though, the Denver Nuggets dominated the Portland Trailblazers on the interior, right? Again, where your offense is coming from, which one is more sustainable? And from a game-to-game basis, the easier shots within four feet of the basket in the restricted area, the painted area, for a team like Denver against a defense like Portland, that was going to be pretty sustainable on a night-to-night basis. And sure enough, last night, 24-30 within four feet of the basket through two games now. How about this? Through two games, the Portland Trailblazers are giving up 45 of 57 at the rim to the Denver Nuggets. That's 78.9% at the hoop for Denver. They are dominating Portland within four feet of the basket, right? That is one of the issues that Portland had, a team that gives up a lot of shots within four feet of the basket, average in terms of opponent shooting percentage, but an elite team that can finish like Denver can, right? A lot of guys who can perform very well. Monte Morris had an elite Level of rim runs yesterday. Nikola Jokic, of course, fantastic within four feet of the basket. Aaron Gordon, a great cutter and finisher as well. A lot of guys who can finish, and that is playing out 78.9% over 57 attempts at four feet of the basket for the Denver Nuggets. Very good through two games. But the thing that you were waiting for, right, just like we talked about with Milwaukee, which we'll get to in a couple of minutes, was is the shooting going to regress here positively for Denver? A team that finished well in the top half, top 10 in terms of three-point shooting, shot very poorly in the first game, 11-35. to 35. If that had evened itself out and they maintained their shooting within four feet of the basket, they were due for a very solid bounce back in game two to potentially even this series up. And sure enough, what happens yesterday, after going 11-35 in game one, they correct matters. They go 11-24 in game two in non-garbage time. And that's why this kind of matters, right? When you're looking at these series and you're going forward and you're talking about anomalies on a one-game basis, you like best-of-seven series because for the most part, the numbers that you look at are going to play out for the most part, right? Seven games still isn't the largest sample size if the, you know, the series goes seven games. Four games isn't a large sample size at all. But more often than not, you're looking for a lot of these numbers that you're looking at from a season-long perspective to start to play out over the long haul over the course of a series, which is why you never really freak out after a game one loss, which is pretty funny how we were seeing a lot of that for a lot of these teams after game one losses. But regardless, and this is why, too, one of my biggest issues, and Jason, I'm an ardent defender of this, People, because I, you know, I like the NBA, and you hear the defense doesn't matter. Well, it does, because Portland, their offensive rating in the postseason right now, 124.4. It is the third best in non-garbage time minutes. And yet, through two games, they have a net rating of negative 4.8 because Denver themselves have ripped off an offensive rating of 129.3. Defense does matter, and Portland is a really good example of this because you can have the best offense in the world, but if you're not going to be able to contain teams, especially on the interior – And by the way, we saw that last year too, right? Remember in the Orlando bubble? Everybody was really excited about the Portland Trailblazers and their seeding games because they were ripping off wins left and right and yet not realizing that over 100 possessions, they were barely outscoring opponents by two points because their defense had been so bad. And we've seen it again now. So series is all tied up. Denver has done a great job offensively. Got to maintain that shooting though, and we'll see what happens, of course, with their defensive game plan because switching Aaron Gordon onto Damian Lillard Seemed to be something that really worked very well for them in the third quarter especially, but I think Denver's got something to work with. It's Jonathan Von Tobel here on a numbers game on VEASAN, the Esports Betting Network, VEASAN.com. The VEASAN app, Fubo, Sling Game Plus, and iHeartRadio. Chris Andrews is going to be with us in just about five minutes from now. Discuss the college football games of the year that were released on Friday, some of the line moves, and um, what the action's been like for Chris when those numbers go up. You know, a lot of people come out here travel, of course, to get those lines and what the action has been like since Friday and some of the 
bigger line moves in terms of college football. Well, let's start with the NBA a little bit more because yesterday was a really good example of a lot of these statistical anomalies we brought up yesterday, right? We open up talking with Denver for those who are just joining us. Denver gets to reset a little bit, right? Denver goes out yesterday, shooting corrects itself, rim dominance maintains itself. You get to even the series. Well, we had a pretty extreme example (laughs) of shooting correcting itself in the early game yesterday. The Milwaukee Bucks dominate the Miami Heat. 132 to 98, your final score here. The Miami Heat never in a game which the Bucks closed. Actually opened up four and a half, got to as high as five and a half in some spots, close five here at the South Point. But this is what we talk about in terms of, right, maintaining things. What is sustainable and what isn't? And a Heat team that this season finished 19th in three-point shooting, had been extremely inconsistent from an offensive standpoint, despite the fact that over the last 16 games, they had really ended the year on a hot run, right? One of the best offensive ratings in the league, the uh, 39.5% shooting from beyond the arc over the last 16 games. You questioned whether that was maintainable or not, and they did it in the first game. But then you look at what happened last night. And again, the theme here for both of these teams, both of these winners yesterday, it sounds redundant, but it's very important where they were generating their offense in game one, if that was sustainable, because if it was, the shooting was going to correct itself. Denver did it, maintained the rim dominance, three-point shooting corrected itself. Milwaukee maintained rim dominance, shooting corrected itself. Both resulted in wins and covers for both of these teams, right? Milwaukee, again, in the first game, well over 70% within four feet of the basket. This game against Miami, again, in game two, 15-19, 78.9% within four feet of the basket. Didn't draw as many shooting fouls, but still extremely effective, But the shooting, again, the shooting corrects itself. A team that finished sixth in three-point shooting, right, during the regular season, only hit 16% of their three-point attempts in game one. That is not going to happen over the course of a series. So what happens last night? 18 to 38, 47.4%. Now, that's not going to happen, right, throughout the entire series, but that was nuts. And you see this from ESPN Stats and Info. Bucks finished with 22 three-pointers, new franchise playoff high, handed the Heat their second-worst playoff loss in franchise history by 34 points. But this is, again, you're always kind of looking for these things in best-of-seven series because this type of stuff is going to correct itself. And Giannis was great. Fifth career playoff game with 30 points, 10 rebounds, 5 assists, and 35 minutes or less. The only other player with more than one such game all-time, LeBron James, two games per Elias Sports. And that's why I always try to look at these box scorers and learn things from them and spin this going forward, right? Because these are certain things that are going to maintain themselves through the course of a series. I think within four feet of the basket, Milwaukee's going to be able to do what they have been doing. You know, that's why we talked about before the series started, and I'd done written pieces on it, talked about it on multiple spots here on the network whenever anybody would have me on, which was these are the same two franchises that met in Orlando last summer, but they're not the same teams. Miami offensively has a lot of issues. And again, last night you saw it when they put up an offensive rating of 106.8 in non-garbage time minutes. So I thought Milwaukee was going to win this series in six through two games. Got to be happy with the way this is going, of course, if you're Milwaukee. Still plenty of time left. You still need two wins. Two wins are hard to come by in the NBA. So we'll see. But I do like the anecdotal stuff, right, that uh, Jimmy Butler has quit on this team. Everything's over. The sky is falling. It's the best of seven series. I think everything's going to be fine. But I will point out, before we get to Chris Andrews very quickly, that we do have another example of this tonight, right? Again, maintaining your offense while the shooting corrects itself, the Los Angeles Clippers shot 27% from beyond the arc against the Dallas Mavericks in game one, still put up an offensive rating of 120. This seems like a pretty good spot to bounce back here if they make some adjustments defensively. Clippers up to a seven-point favorite 
with a total of 215 and a half. So we'll see if this corrects itself. But I think this is another good candidate for that later tonight. All right. We'll have plenty of NBA. Drew Dinsick's going to be with us. Uh, let's bring in Chris Andrews. And, of course, you know him on the show all the time here on The Numbers Game, author of Then One Day, 40 Years of Bookmaking in Nevada. You can buy that one up on Amazon as well. Chris, thank you for the time early today. Always appreciate it. So just some general stuff in the NBA. First off, what has the action been like for you here at the South Point with the NBA postseason? Because these have been really good games. You had New York back at center stage on Sunday. I thought it was a great weekend of NBA postseason. What did the books see? No, we've, we've had great business, yeah. Um, you know, we get a little lopsided every once in a while on Moneyline parlays with favorites, but uh, the action has been fantastic. Uh, but i got to say, you haven't mentioned it, but the hockey action has been great, too, not just the Knights, I mean, all throughout. So right now, with uh, you know, playoffs in both uh, you know, two major sports, well, you know, we have a lot of action. We've been really busy. It's, it's been terrific all the way around. Chris, generally speaking, what do you see the uptick more in? Is it hockey action, like that'll see the, the more increase in handle from regular season to postseason, or is it the NBA? Oh, good question, JVT. I'd say hockey has a bigger uptick uh, because NBA, we always do a lot of business. And hockey could be a little sporadic. But the, the, uh, the Knights always bring in a lot of business. But we have a lot of people from kind of like that northern tier, Pittsburgh, Detroit, Chicago, New York, that come in and love their hockey too. But, you know, the, uh, the playoffs tend to accelerate all that. So the, the, up to, the uptick, like if you're going to graph it out, would be higher with hockey. Yep, Chris Andrews with us. All right, hey, a couple more on the NBA before we transition because your Game of the Year lines have been up since Friday. A lot of line moves and teams to discuss with those. Uh, but when it comes to you guys here at the South Point, from the big picture standpoint, when it comes to the NBA, is it the usual suspects in terms of some of the liability that you're kind of rooting against in the big picture for the NBA Finals? <laughs> no, we're, we, we got some liability on some teams, and we got great results on some other teams. We're just trying to zig and zag right. I mean, it doesn't look terrible, but it doesn't look great either. You know, we're going to have to get a little lucky. But we have, uh, you know, we, we've taken some big bets on uh, – we took some early in the year, like on the Jazz and on the Suns. Uh, you know, then the Knicks, the Hawks really kind of uh, – that one. I know somebody went around town and was betting the Hawks in the futures everywhere they could. You know, they, they didn't miss us. Uh, and then the Knicks, of course. So, but we got some teams going for them. Milwaukee's going to be very good for us. If something happens there. Lakers will be fine. Um, you know, the Nets are okay. Not great, but they're okay. Um, I think on the other side, Clippers do very well for us. Yes, we got some teams going for us. Some we're trying to beat. And uh, it's too early to start hedging yet. But, uh, you know, we're, we're just hoping the chips fall. Uh, falling where they may land on our side of the table. It's pretty interesting, though. I mean, just looking, like hearing it on the surface, Chris. Like, if you're like, if you're okay, if teams like the Nets, Lakers, Clippers, Bucks, uh, yeah. if they end up winning and you're okay, that seems like a, a relatively advantageous spot. <laughs> I, I love the Hawks, but I don't know if they're going to push past those three teams at Eastern Conference. You know? Yeah, I mean, listen, the Hawks have played great about the last, I guess, two months or so. But uh, we have some pretty serious liability. You should see my uh, computer screen. Some of them, it's not very pretty. The Wizards is really bad, too. But, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we have some out there and some that we're going to beat. You know, I, I, like I said, we're it's too early to start sweating too much. But, right. uh, you know, we definitely have some we got to beat. 
So last one on this, uh, one of the things that really stuck out over the weekend, Chris, of course, was the environment of Madison Square Garden, right? Like that, that was absolutely nuts yeah. to, like, to see a, a what looked like a packed house over at MSG for a playoff game. It seemed like a real legitimate home court, and you're seeing more and more fans being allowed into some of these games. You know, I asked you this when it came to the games of the year, but I'm curious, you know, as now in the postseason, we get these flips, right? You know, Miami and Milwaukee, that trend, by the way, that a lot of people played a couple of years ago in the last few years when they actually had this right team down to nothing going back home first half first quarter like how are you yeah. guys handling it in terms of home court now that we're actually starting to see some tangible evidence that like hey these packed courts like they actually might help out some of these teams well i think you yeah, definitely have to take a look at that yeah first half that's uh, on these teams that are down o2 uh coming home i mean that's that's been a pretty good trend and i could see that probably continuing um but uh I, I, the numbers are probably not reflecting it as much as they should. And like I told you, we're getting kind of overloaded on some of these money line parlays with favorites, which tend to be the home teams, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, we juice them up pretty good. But, you know, when you're betting the money line, uh, it's really almost like risk management. There's not much you could do to change the winner. You could change the payout on some of these parlays. But point spreads can change the winner. Money line can't. Uh, and they, they've been they've been getting to us a little bit. And, you know, I mean, listen, like I always say, every bookmaker in the world, all they ever do is cry, and I'm one of those too. You know, but we we we're doing okay. But I could see some of these were uh, uh, some of these they're hard to beat. You know, but uh, you know, listen, we'll keep posting the numbers and see what happens, and uh, it's supposed to even out in the end, and, and I'm sure it will. But uh, I think you know, right now, some of the home teams on money lines probably. Yeah, I'm not. I'm trying to take away the value, but the fact is, a lot of them just win. Whether you get value or not, they just win. Uh, by the way, so for those who are watching too, to just to put a little bit more behind that, yeah, Miami, the first instance now in over a year because we didn't have home court last year. Uh, that trend really strong. Miami again coming back home down two nothing first quarter, first half. A lot of the times you'll see first half lines mirror the first quarter line, and that's how, like that's how strong that got at times. All right, Chris Andrews with us. All right, Chris, so you guys put up college football game of the year lines on Friday. I'm curious, you know, you have a bunch of people come in, right? We had Paul Stone in on Friday talking with my yeah. uh, with uh, my guys in the desert and Matt Humans. What what is the action like on these game of the year lines after you put them up Friday? Do all the you know the sharp betters come in, they attack it, then they go home, and it's kind of a slow trickle from there? Do you continue to take action through the weekend? What's it like early once you put these things up? Well, it has been a slow trickle from day one. You know, we uh, you know Friday we were uh, you know going crazy, especially that first hour. You know, Paul gave us I'm gonna say 23 plays, 22 plays, something like that. Uh, so he, you know, listen, he bets pretty good, and I respect his opinion. I know he's a guy that does a lot of homework. But we've had other guys in, too. We've got a couple games with two-way action. Not many. Most of it's been one way. So uh, I'm going to probably spend today going through my power ratings and reevaluating. But uh, I think we'll start getting some action maybe even this coming weekend with it being a holiday weekend. Uh, I think the town's going to be uh, pretty well sold out. And we'll have people from all over the country, and they come in and they want to bet their teams. So I'm expecting uh, another little surge this weekend. And after that, um, it's just going to be kind of watching the ticker as far as you know how guys are uh, looking in, uh, in practice and, and that sort of thing and any injuries. So we'll be, uh, we'll be on our toes, at least try to be. 
But uh, I think it will, will it will be a trickle after this week, and then we'll probably get another surge around July fourth, something like that. So uh, that's just the nature of the business. We know that, but it, it does it's a good thing for us. It does it brings in a lot of business, gets us uh, in the headlines a little bit. And I always joke with Michael Gone, you know, Michael, if we could make a dollar at the end of all this, we'll <laughs> we'll consider it successful. And we we've made a dollar over the years. I can tell you that it's not been like a, a big. It's not a loss leader by any means. We wind up doing okay. So going through your openers and looking at some of the line changes as of this morning, Chris, there were a couple of teams that stuck out. I want to throw your opinion on it. And I know you spoke to one when we talked on Friday, uh, but it does seem like generally the common move here for a team like Central Florida was against them, right? We had Central Florida, Cincinnati. Cincinnati, you guys opened yeah. four up to seven. You had Central Florida and Louisville. You had OUCF six, then went down to four. So it, did that kind of surprise you, a team like Central Florida? It seemed like the market had a lower opinion of UCF. Yeah, you know, that that did really surprise me. Uh, when I first looked at it, I thought maybe I underrated Cincinnati, and I, I'm not sure that's true. I think I overrated uh, Central Florida. Uh, there's a couple others I overrated, too. Well, at least according to the better so far, and that would be North Carolina and Miami. Uh, I underrated Alabama, but I was on a show last night from uh, with somebody out of the uh, out of the SEC, and so I, I had Alabama probably my second highest opening power rating that I've ever given a team, and they still bet on Alabama. So uh, you know, and I always joke that you can't. It's hard to get rich betting on Nick Saban at this point in his career, but it's uh, it's no way to get rich betting against them either. I can tell you that. So. Uh, I'll be rooting against Nick a couple of weeks this year, which is no surprise. They usually do it every year, uh, every week, every year. But we'll see. I'm going to go through my power ratings again today, try to reevaluate, um, see if, uh, you know, listen, Paul and I disagree on some of these things. You know, he might be right. I might be right. But, you know, we'll know come game time, I guess. And the other was uh, LSU. That was the other team that stuck out to me. Yeah. Generally, the market moved it toward them, right? You know, LSU, UCLA, two, three and a half. Now uh, Florida uh, and you, LSU, right, pick, and then now minus one. So it seemed like the market, that wasn't as extreme as some of the Central Florida ones, but it did seem like the market a little bit more respect for LSU. Yeah, according to the market, I probably underrated them by about two points. Yeah. Um, I think it's a team that certainly has talent. There's, there's always a lot of talent coming out of Louisiana. And they seem to get the bulk of it. Now, a lot of those kids go elsewhere. But they, they do awfully well recruiting ones. I still have some questions about their coaching staff, though. And uh, I think maybe we're looking at what happened uh, to this team two years ago. They really caught lightning in a the bottle. They got you know, Joe Burrow was a transfer. They had great receivers. They, they had great everything. And I think maybe that's, uh, uh, you know, you got to start every year fresh, and I think that's still in people's mind how great that team was, which it really was legitimate. But I'm not sure they're going to be up anywhere near that level anytime soon. So, but I probably did underrate them by about two points. Yeah, I'd completely agree. I think uh, it's pretty telling that you lose a couple of coordinators and uh, all of a sudden things go south for yeah. Eddie O. So and things went sure. very south for sure. a season ago. All right, Chris. Hey, thank you for coming on early today. Really appreciate it. Again, college football games of the year up here at the South. But you can come and attack games all the way through December. So you can come in and get your hand on that. Chris, thank you very much. 
Always a pleasure, JBT. Have fun filling in for Gil this week. I will. Other than waking up early, I will totally be down with it. Then one day, 40 years of bookmaking, of course, in Nevada. Chris Andrews, you can tie that over on Amazon. All right, plenty to get to. Off to a very good start with Chris. Uh, when we come back, quick recap of what happened in the National Hockey League last, uh, last night. It was actually a lot of fun. Uh, we had some extreme line moves. We had a young goaltender make a very strong debut. Uh, we also had some really shoddy goaltending as well that cost a team a game. Uh, it was absolutely incredible, but we'll recap that. And, of course, Drew Dinsick is going to be with us at the bottom of the hour, the whole half hour, to discuss everything in the association and a little bit of the French Open as well, see if he's looking at anything there. It is a numbers game. Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil Alexander here on v Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr. And I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. to a numbers game with Gil Alexander. With basketball, hockey, and baseball games every week, it's time to get into BetMGM Sports Nevada premier sports betting app. BetMGM has all of your favorite wagering options along with in-game betting, boosted odds specials, and much more. Download the BetMGM app today. Stop by any MGM casino on the strip with your state-issued ID to open an account and start placing sports bets from anywhere in Nevada. Whatever your sport, whatever your betting style, you're going to love BetMGM state-of-the-art technology, fan-friendly specials every day of the week. Visit BetMGM for terms and conditions. you got to be 21 or older, physically located in Nevada. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. That is where, by the way, and we'll get to this a little bit later in the show, but uh, my BetMGM app is where my Joe Ingles 12-to-1 six-man-of-the-year ticket was. It's also where my Julius Randle 22 to 1 most improved player ticket of the year is. So kudos to MGM because they have a great selection in terms of the NBA awards, something I like to dive into every once in a while. Okay, uh, we'll get back to the NBA. Adrian Dinsick is going to be with us in a little bit and we'll call it uh, a little less than 10 minutes from now. So National Hockey League last night, it was a really fun night. A lot of really solid games yesterday. Some really intriguing performances. Uh, first off, I mean, I think you have to start. We've had a, we've had a couple of these weird We'll call them blunders from goaltenders in a lot of these games that have cost teams games in playoff series. We had another one last night, New York and Pittsburgh. So the Islanders grab a 3-2 win over the Pittsburgh Penguins last night. Penguins close as a $1.45 favorite coming back on New York. You got about plus 125, plus 130, depending on where you shopped. But Tristan Yari puts together, it was a somewhat poor performance for the most part. I thought the second goal was a little weird flailing all over the ice and putting himself in bad position to give that up. But... How about giving the game away on a turnover with a weird play where he could have given it up to an opponent to his left, or excuse me, a teammate to his left, and instead tries to make like a really long pass deep in the offensive zone, and sure enough, what happens? And then, of course, turned it over, ends up at a goal. Series now, just like that, 3-2 in favor of the Islanders, heading back to New York. And we've seen this open now already. The Penguins open as like at 107 over at Circa. Islanders minus 103. And last night, too, we did see a little bit of movement here in the Penguins' direction. Peaked at about minus 150 before closing in Circa at about minus 140. But again, like we talk about all the time, right, in these playoff series, no matter what sport it is, mistakes, mistakes will cost you. And that's a massive mistake for a professional goaltender to make. I even sent, I sent a gift to Andy McNeil yesterday. I was like, this is a professional goaltender? Like, what is happening at this point? You see the series here at least in terms of the next game. Penguins Islanders a pick with a total of five and a half shaded to the under at minus 140. Under comes in in that game between these two last night as well. Biggest move of the day yesterday 
was actually a game that Andy and I were talking about at length because we had quite the move before we even got off the air. Remember that the Toronto Maple Leafs actually opened up in the range of $1.32. When we were on the air here, when we talked to Andy McNeil yesterday, they were about $1.60, depending on where you shop for your number. Toronto ends up closing as a $1.88 favorite last night over the Montreal Canadiens. Massive move, and Maple Leafs actually very, very solid yet again. Get a 2-1 to win over the Canadiens. Really dominant in the 5v5 throughout the first two periods. Well over 60% of the shot share in both periods at even strength. They generated seven high danger chances to the four for Montreal. They won expected goals four overall the first two periods. Right, Something that I had pointed out, and myself as like a novice hockey better, and Andy has helped me out a lot with this, especially last summer when we were doing the shows on the edge, especially during those playing games in the bubble for the NHL. You know, Getting really comfortable and at least being able to look at some of the statistics that are provided at websites like Natural Stat Trick, and at least being able to perceive them to the point where you know where a team has a certain edge and we talked about this yesterday right that the maple leaves who actually closed minus 200 here at the uh, excuse me, up on the uh, is that DraftKings? that those are odds right uh, south point okay so that's minus 200 here at the south point but regardless a lot of the numbers dictated that the first two games despite the fact that the series was tied that the, t- the maple leaves were playing extremely well in the 5v5 and sure enough you get another solid performance through two periods and by the way here's the interesting part about this as we look at today for this game um, so again, the opener at minus 130, 134, depending on where you look. The price here right now for this next game, minus 170. So the market has corrected itself in a massive fashion. Earlier this morning, we were talking about minus 190, but we see a pretty big correction here. Remember, opener about minus 134. Now you're talking about an opener in some spots is minus 180 for this game. So the market gets a little ding yesterday, and that one, really solid correction, ends up getting um, ends up correct. And now you get the market correction. Maple Leafs at about minus 170 for this contest. And then Florida and Tampa Bay. This was fun, too, because you just like to see cool stories. How about Spencer Knight? Puts together a fantastic performance to help the Panthers stay alive. Postseason debut. He gives up a goal in the first minute. It's pretty hard, right? One of those cross-eyes passes. He has to move laterally a very long distance. Gives that goal up. But then after that, was absolutely fantastic. And what was crazy was the first period for a kid who's making his debut in the postseason. The Lightning were all over him, generating seven high danger chances shots here 65 percent still only allows the first goal in the first minute and the panthers cruise from there get a 4-1 victory over the lightning at least stave off elimination for one more evening so that was a really cool performance of the fun fun game all right we're going more with Dwayne colucci coming up at the bottom of the next hour we'll give him his, he'll give us his thoughts on what's happening in the nhl tonight and what we're going to see short slate but we also have a lot of series to update as well drew dinsick is going to join us next nfl nba handicap or nbc sports bet deep dive pod as well let's get to the bottom of some of these series in the nba A numbers game with Gil Alexander. If you missed any part of our show or anything on the VEASAN schedule today, don't forget to check out our free sports betting podcasts. Catch replays of all of our shows, including Follow the Money and Numbers Game, My Guys in the Desert and Lombardi Line with VEASAN Best Bets. Download Beating the Book with Gil Alexander or Market Insights with Josh Applebaum. Plus, we've got Hardwood Handicappers, Long Shots Gone Racing, and the Ron Flatter Racing Pod. They're all free and available now at VEASAN.com slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, of course, 
fantastic good podcasts like Bet the Edge Pod, Deep Dive Podcast. There is a commonality there. Drew Dinsick is with us. You can follow him on Twitter at whale underscore capper as well. Drew, I haven't talked to you since like right before the All-Star break in the NBA, so I really appreciate you coming on. I can't wait to really get into a lot of the NBA stuff. Before we get there, though, really quickly, um, French Open, draw coming up later this week. What were you looking for there? I know it's a busy time, so how does that gel with everything going on with the NBA? <laughs> well, it's a week delayed this year, but so is the NBA playoffs. So right. it's funny. We would be at the time where, you know, you're kind of getting a little bit more space between games in the NBA and you can focus on tennis a little bit, but uh, not this year. It's all, it's going to be uh, a wild week next week as we have uh, kind of the end of series going on in round one combined with, uh, you know, the, the first couple of rounds of the uh, French open draw. You, you, you end up with 64 matches in round one, 32 in round two on both the men's and women's side. So there's just an absolute, you know, enormous amount of handicapping to do in those uh, tournaments. And, uh, you know, this year it's a funny kind of the shoes on the other foot. Uh, most uh, of the tennis majors that have come through in the last uh four or five years have been wide open on the women's side and the men's side has been a fairly narrow band of players who could realistically win. Um, but this year it's, it's flipped and, uh, you really only have, uh, two contenders that I think are realistic potential winners on the women's side and Iga Shiantek and Ash Barty. Uh, but then on the men's side, it looks to me at least like Rafa Nadal is at his most vulnerable that we've seen him coming into Roland Garros going back to about 2016. Um, two things uh, of interest really on the men's side, the field is a lot stronger than a typical men's field. Um, you know, they, there are uh, at least five players who have taken meaningful damage off of, uh, off of Rafa Nadal. Uh, this particular, uh, you know, clay court cycle leading up to the French Open, um, you can kind of evaluate his hold break statistics in a way that uh, kind of compares Nadal to Nadal of years past. And he is by far and away at his weakest uh, relative to um, how he's played in the last three, four years where he pretty much waltzed his way to French Open titles. So uh, it's going to be a really interesting one. And the, the draw is going to matter a ton because Rafa Nadal is the third seed. So he could end up on. Uh, if he ends up on Novak Djokovic's half of the draw, that's a huge, huge blow to his potential to win the title. Uh, if he ends up on Medvedev's half of the draw, then he's got a pretty reasonable uh, semifinal opponent potentially. And then, uh, you know, the handful of guys that he could end up in his quarter, uh, Stefan Sissipas, um, Alexander Zverev, and, uh, and, and Andre Rublev uh, all have given him very, very meaningful tests so far this year. Uh, and I would think that, uh, you know, it's going to be a lot of drama. So I guess at this point, if I had to make a bet and you're telling me Nadal is minus 125 or one, minus 120, I would take the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but I need to see the draw a little bit more carefully and, and need to see the weather to to really tell you who, who it is that, that's going to benefit from this. I like it. All right. Whale underscore capper up on Twitter. You guys know that already. All right, let's do this. So I'm excited. I think the NBA has got to be ecstatic. Really good start to the postseason. A lot of good and fun contests. So let's start with a little bit about what we saw last night. So when we were on the show yesterday, Drew, one of the things that I kept kind of harping on was, you know, we saw this weird anomaly where these home teams are shooting like garbage for some reason, right? We had all these home teams in game ones. None of them shot better than 33%. And you had good shooting teams suffering. And one of the things that I kept like pounding home was, look, teams like Milwaukee, 
who are generating offense within four feet of the basket. That's sustainable. The shooting's just got to correct itself. Same thing with Denver. And we saw both of those things kind of come to fruition. But I want to start with Milwaukee because I think before the series started, there was a lot of, hey, Miami's going to be pretty live here. And I kept using the line, look, these are the same franchises, but they're not the same teams. And you saw the offensive issues that Miami had throughout the season kind of come to fruition last night. I thought this was a series that Milwaukee was going to win at six. I don't know if it's this dominant, but I think if you're Miami, you're obviously in real trouble, not only being down to nothing, but I think the gap between these two teams was pretty apparent last night. Yeah. If these two teams were relatively even strength in terms of quality of uh, you know player on the floor, then I could make a case for Miami just on the basis of Eric Spolstra as a better coach. You know, you know, when you get down to sort of the second tier of handicapping angles, Miami has a lot of the the, the plot positives, which is why you know, if, if you, you know, match up strength on, you know, player versus player and come up with a relatively even match, then you, you tick down into the likes of, well, can this coach come up with the right adjustments? And my answer for Budenholzer has always been sort of a resounding no. Uh, my answer for Spolstra has always been a resounding yes. And so, you know, yeah, if the, you know, if you had a, a stronger squad on the floor for Miami, then this would be a fun, interesting series. The problem is they're giving, you know, uh, Trevor Ariza like real meaningful minutes. And, you know, it's been a long time since you've had, you know, peak Trevor Ariza available for, you know, playoff NBA minutes. Uh, you know, it's it's shocking to say this, but boy, do they miss Kelly Olenek. Boy, do they miss Jay Crowder. Yep. Um, you know, the, the, the guys that they've kind of mixed into the rotation here, Tyler Hero obviously has taken a huge step backwards this year. Some of that has been injury related. Some of that just sort of the growing pains of uh, now there's a little bit of tape on him. Um, and it, so it, it has been um, an, a very difficult adjustment for the Heat this season. They've never really gotten their rhythm. They've never really gotten into anywhere close to the same level we saw from them during the regular season or the bubble running up to the playoffs last year. And so the fact that they're struggling isn't really a huge shock, in my opinion. And and it's it's you know that last night was sort of the perfect storm because you had a game one where anyone who felt like, yeah, the Heat are live in this one, came out of that one thinking, well, I got my cover. They probably, they, they could have, should have won. Uh, you know, all my priors have been confirmed. I'm um, going back to the well with the Heat. But then if you dig into the box score a little more and you're like, well, the Bucks missed a, just an absolutely gross amount of wide open three-pointers. That doesn't happen two times in a row. Uh, and granted, they were on the positive end of, of, <laughs> of variance last night. Like, I don't think you could expect Bryn Forbes to be able to go for 20 points in the first half in the next game necessarily. But, uh, you know, certainly that was sort of the perfect storm where the market, you know, kind of had over-adjusted to one, re one result, really not looking at the kind of the macro picture of what was happening in the series. And uh, sort of the perfect spot for the Bucks, uh, and I would, you know, you say six, I would say five, but yeah. I really am not especially concerned about the Bucks moving on to round two. Yeah. However, next series, I do think you get into sort of that second level of well, we don't have a meaningful advantage of our best three versus their best three, so it does come down to you know what is our coach going to be able to do? And the Bucks, you know, they still have sort of a couple of scheme problems that I think warrant concern if you're expecting this team to make a run in the Eastern Conference. You know, they gave up 53 pointers to the Heat in game one. If you give up 53 point attempts to the Nets, you are in deep, deep, deep trouble because yep. they're going to beat you by 20, 25 points. Drew Dinsick's with us. Right, he's going to stick around. And I couldn't, I could not agree more. I'm tired of hearing about, hey, they're trying things. They were 29th in perimeter defense this year. Like that's going to burn you against a team like Brooklyn. <laughs> but hey, hey, we're going to stick with Drew. He's going to come back with us a lot more to discuss, including that now we have home courts a little bit. Now that angle over the last few years, down 0-2, coming back home, first quarter, first half. Is there actually still something to that? We discuss that much more on the other side. We'll
Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape. You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So, listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up as well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome. 
Welcome back to A Numbers Game with Gil Alexander. Step on the court with BetMGM for a chance to win $100 in free bets when you place a $1 wager on any player to win the French Open in Paris. If any player serves an ace, you win $100 in free bets. Just use the bonus code VSIN100. Get your slice of the live betting action with BetMGM. New customer offer, paid and free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Got to be 21 or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., or West Virginia only. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Call one 800 522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. For a gambling problem, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF, Iowa, and Tennessee. Caller text the red line, 800-889-9789. Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Promotional offer not available in the state which we reside. Nevada. Drew Densick's with us, NFL, NBA handicapper, NBC Sports Bet, sticking around for a couple of extra minutes. Uh, all right, Drew. So let's talk about that angle really quickly because we have this home court advantage that is kind of potentially starting to play itself out a little bit. And Madison Square Garden was ridiculous over the weekend, but it comes into play now in this Miami series because that very popular angle two years ago, three years ago, because we didn't have home courts last year, um, the team down to nothing, going back home, first quarter, first half. I'm really intrigued by this because I think you're going to see the odds makers adjust like they did, right? You're going to see that first half line reflected in the first quarter, but I don't know if maybe it should be that strong given the fact that we're not having these full home courts, right? I mean, you're seeing it tonight with the Clippers. Their first half minus five, you know, full game minus six and a half on the open. You know, I think it it is pretty clear that they recognize that the betting betting uh, public, for lack of a better word, has an appetite to go after this angle. You know, they're expecting this to manifest as an as an advantage, and I think you have to absolutely kind of take boil this down to its core, figure out why this is an angle and really kind of assess whether it's valid as opposed to just sort of firing way into this blind, uh, you know, does, you know, I guess as we look at a series like the, you know, we only have one two own right now and it's the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's the Bucks heat and you would look at that series and say, okay, well, you know, you have a good coach in Spolstra. He's capable of making meaningful adjustments. His back's against the wall. He's got to fire his best shot in terms of what, you know, what will swing this series back to where they can, you know, fight their way back into it. So you would expect whatever he has up his sleeve in terms of getting his best shooters, open looks, getting some made threes, getting a little bit of offensive momentum, uh, you know, using what worked last year in the playoff series in terms of putting some pressure uh, on the Bucks in, in transition, uh, you know, really applying some some good transition defense. Like, are they capable of doing all that? Yes, absolutely. I don't know that they ultimately have the adjustment that they need to get Jimmy Butler going in this series offensively because Giannis, you know, the one move, the one adjustment, that, you know, that Budenholzer made, and he probably thought about this all offseason. He was like, if we come up against the Heat, I'm going to put Giannis on Butler because as Butler goes, the Heat go. And, you know, that has seemed to work, you know, relatively effectively in this series to this point. And I'm not really sure what you can do as Spolstra to get Jimmy Butler going, he's going to need a, you know, a, a pretty favorable whistle, I think, to have a, a solid game against Giannis just because of the way his game now has kind of become one dimensional mm-hmm. in terms of he's really only going to get you, you know, get, go go to war uh, in the paint. He's not going to shoot from outside. Um, but I do think, uh, you know, if you have a good coach like Spolster, if you have, uh, you know, a, a veteran team like the Heat and they do have kind of multiple ways that they can present in terms of offensive defense, then that first half first quarter angle should still manifest. 
Uh, other teams, I wouldn't necessarily say that about, but this with this coaching matchup and with this particular uh, squad, I do think he that do make sense in this angle. So let's talk about that that series that you brought up later today: Staples Center Clippers and Mavericks. So Clippers now up to seven point favor. We saw openers of six, so market heading in the Clippers direction. So this was another one of those games, Drew, where I I you know maintain. Look, if you look at the box score, there are actually some things you really like about what the Clippers did. Right, despite shooting twenty seven percent from three, your offensive rating was still over one twenty. You only turned the ball over on less than 5% of your possessions. If you make some tweaks here and you get that kind of you know positive regression to the mean with the first overall shooting team in the league, I think this is a spot where it's a pretty good bounce back for Los Angeles. Am I reading too much into that kind of a box score or am I right in thinking that there are some positives to take away and they should manifest themselves here tonight? I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, I think this is a beautiful spot for the Clippers. And really, you look at what that what was weird about that game. You mentioned the shooting for the the Clippers was unsustainably low. Uh, I would be extremely surprised if we saw that poor three point shooting again from a team that was basically all time record setting high three point shooting team during the regular season. Uh, you know, they have the shooters. They can absolutely uh, bounce back from that type of a performance. Uh, also, the other thing that was the I guess the weirdest thing about that box score because you mentioned it, you know, like you have 120 offensive rating, but 103 points. What's the deal? Well, there was an extremely low number of possessions in that game. The pace was very, very slow. And I think uh, some of that boils down to the Clippers just weren't really creating many turnovers. They weren't getting many transition opportunities. Uh, And I would expect to see that as an easy adjustment you can make where you're like, okay, uh, you know, we're not going to let the Mavericks just kind of slow this game down to a crawl, run it through half course, you know, through half court. We're going to force them to play out of their comfort zone a little bit, uh, you know, put them into a tight spot, uh, you know, from a, from a pace standpoint. And so, uh, you know, Clippers on the spread over 215, I think, are both fun ways to attack this game. Uh, You know, Clippers team total over, I think, is a fun way to attack this game. But uh, I think if you only let me have one of those, I'm probably taking the over 215 and a half just on the basis of, uh, you know, Clippers can get to 120 here if they if they up if they up the pace just a bit and uh, a few turnovers could help manifest that. According to cleaning the glass, less than 90 possessions for both of those teams. Like in today's NBA, it's, Crazy. it's absolutely insane how slow that game was. Uh, all right. couple more to roll through here with you. Uh, let's go to Atlanta, New York. This seems like it's going to be a really fun series. I have a pre-series bet on Atlanta to win this thing. So uh, I think I was a little maybe overly positive after watching that game because I thought there were a couple of things that while New York played very well, a little few things that weren't going to be sustainable throughout the series. Don't think your bench is going to score 60 points every single night. Don't think Alec Burks is going to drop 27 and hit almost every single thing that he could drop. But I also think like DeAndre Hunter versus Julius Randle, that actually might be kind of a problem for the New York Knicks. The gap between the starters and, you know, between New York and Atlanta, I think that's going to be a problem for the Knicks. I came away thinking, I'm actually kind of impressed with the Hawks in that game. Like there were a lot of things that didn't really go well for them. They still maintained themselves, won in crunch time in a big way. Their net rating was great, and they come away with the 1-0 series lead. I, I kind of think if I'm walking away from this, I feel pretty good about my Hawks series, but not only because they're up one nothing, but I think there's actually kind of a gap between these teams that I didn't expect. Yeah, I came into this one thinking they were dead even and that this was going to be like the clear seven game series of all the ones in round one. And uh, I I saw what you saw. Like, I didn't think that was a fluky win by the Hawks. That was a deserved win. Uh, And, you know, one of my one of my kind of underlying theses was the Hawks really had a super easy schedule this year. Like when they who they had to play when they played them uh, and, you know, particularly down the stretch, like they just really had an easy go of it. And I thought in my back of my head, like, okay, 
there's a potential that we're overrating how good this Hawks team is, but they played very, very well in game one. You brought up a couple of key points. I thought the Hunter's defense, you know, defensive stands were very impressive. We know how, you know, we know he's an elite defensive player, potentially like out of his ceiling. Um, but to see him manifest that in a game one setting on the road as, as a young player in the hostile environment against Julius Randall, who's been all NBA this season was, uh, was pretty amazing. And I don't know that that, you know, that you get that every night. I think Randall will have his moments in this series. And on the flip side, I think Trey young will have his, his negative moments in this series. Like it's entirely possible that uh, if you get a little bit more physical with him, you can take him out of his game. He's, you know, he has, you know, he has shown some signs of maturity this season that we haven't seen in years past, but I think you can probably still, uh, you know, get to him if you get a little bit more physical, if you're the Knicks. And I would guess that that's part of their strategy for game two. Um, I haven't taken a strong position on this, but I was surprised that considering that I still think this is a relatively close series, or at least these two teams, there's, you know, these games are all going to be more or less coin flips. Uh, you know, I, I still think that uh, it's a little bit of an over adjustment to make the Knicks plus 230 in the series. Um, so I got some action on Knicks at plus 230 to come back in this one. Uh, I And mostly my thinking is just, I don't feel comfortable about this. I don't feel great about mm -hmm. it. Uh, I just need the Knicks to hold court in game two and then win one of two in Atlanta. And at that point, the uh, series price probably swings back to, you know, Knicks minus 125 or so. And I can kind of you know, get a plus money position on the Hawks and kick my feet up. Uh, and so it's, it's really more of just, okay, ultimately I, I still think this is going to go, uh, deep into the, the series. This has seven games if, if I had to say, uh, and, uh, and so getting plus two thirty in that situation is to me, at least a small advantage. So, um, I think, I, I do think this one will be, uh, will still be long. Um, but, uh, you have to give a ton of credit to what Nate McMillan has done with this young Hawks team and, and taking them into that environment in particular, uh, and playing completely fearlessly. They were great in that first quarter, great in that first half. Uh, and they didn't, uh, you know, they didn't yield, uh, down the stretch when the going got tough. So it was a very impressive performance by them. By the way, I go to pull up the injury report on NBC and look what I see. Huh? Look at that. <laughs> at the edge, huh? <laughs> look at that. Drew Dinsick right there. I like it. Uh, the new pod. Check it out. Actionable insights, top trends in under 30 minutes. So go ahead. Give it a listen. All right. Really quickly, I wanted to pull this up because I wanted to go see if anything had popped up. Because the market right now, Lakers minus one and a half, two, total of 209 and a half. We know what's going on with Chris Paul and the shoulder injury. It seems pretty interesting because of the injury here for Paul when he did return. And yet we see the market now making the Lakers a favorite on the road. Now, I have said anecdotally, nothing goes better hand in hand than LeBron James in a 0-1 series deficit. So it's not surprising that the Lakers lost the first game. But what were your takeaways from the first game and, and how we look at this now going forward? You can still get the Lakers at like plus 105 or even money drew on a series. Yeah, that was a brutal spot in game one for the Lakers, considering how physical that game against the Warriors were and, and just the lack of continuity in terms of the starters here with LeBron and, and AD not really playing a ton of minutes together down the stretch. So I wasn't surprised to see them lose game one. I was surprised in how it went down, though. I surely yeah. did not expect that DeAndre Ayton was going to give, you know, feed, uh, uh, feed Anthony Davis his lunch. And I worry a, a little bit that, um, you know, Anthony Davis has shown a, an unwillingness at times to be the, the true five. 
for the Lakers, but that is where they are at their best. Like they need, uh, you know, crunch time five, they, you know, or any time that, uh, you know, sort of the going gets tough at any point in the game, they need to be able to pull out, uh, you know, put, put Anthony Davis in at the five and, and have him, you know, get physical, get to the line. Uh, and I think, you know, if he's willing to, you know, to take that path, then the Lakers can find some footing in this series and, and make a, uh, you know, make a competition out of it. Now, the Andre Drummond minutes have been brutal. Period. Yeah. Since signing him, and you know, I, I don't. I, you know, Frank Vogel has his work cut out for them, kind of keeping everybody happy, figuring out kind of the pieces of the puzzle. Because the Phoenix Suns are a legit team. This is a very, very tough, very close series. I didn't end up playing game two, um, but I'm going to be watching pretty closely to see if Frank if Frank uh, figures out the pieces. Drew Dinsick again at Whale underscore Cap or Bet the Edge over on NBC Sports Edge too. Good to talk to you, man. Thank you very much. All right, best luck tonight. You got it. All right, second hour on the way. Jason Weingarten's going to be with us. Talk a little Major League Baseball. Drew uh, Dwayne Colucci as well. Stick around. It's the numbers game. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball. From growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.